Hey, everyone, and welcome back to season two on the Behind the Stigma podcast. This podcast bridges the gap between the general public and all things psychology, neuroscience, and mental health related. I'm Sierra Manova, the host and producer, and in this week's episode, we will be diving into psychosis, meaning and lived experience. Our guest speaker today, who I'm delighted to introduce, is Dr. Yekaterina Nichitailova. Dr. Nichitailova is a doctor of philosophy, a university lecturer, and writer. She has lived in four different countries and speaks four languages and is fascinated by different cultures and walks of life. She's interested in how different manifestations of the human psyche have been medicalized and put into the domain of mental health. Today, we'll discuss Dr. Yekaterina's personal experience with psychiatric care, both in the Netherlands and the UK, stigma and diagnosis, and culture and mental health. Dr. Nichitailova, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And I really mean it when I say I'm very happy for you to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. I'm very happy to be a, a participant of this podcast. Thank you so much. Yekaterina, this is, you know, an episode that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I've been now studying psychology and psychiatry for a few years now. And the more I studied and learned about disorders, the more I'm interested in the other side of these conditions. So rather than just the characteristics or the symptoms of the disorders, more the meaning or the symbolism attributed to it. And one day I came across an article in uh, Madden America on an experience in a psychiatric ward, and the article was written by you. And from that moment, I just knew I had to speak with you. So. Um, I think, unfortunately, till today, when we think of someone experiencing psychosis, many of us think of it as someone who's incompetent or, you know, not able to get up every day and live a so-called normal life. So there's a lot of misunderstanding and misconception. So I'm really hoping that after listening to this episode, all of us will have this belief questioned or at least um, our curiosity and way of thinking broadened a little bit. So today is all about your story. and. We would love to hear a little bit about you and who you are and your psychiatric history, of course. But to start us off, maybe a little bit about your background. Um, I know you came from Russia, but I've lived in so many different countries and cities abroad. So we'd love to hear a bit about you. Uh, yes, sure. To begin with, as you noticed, heard, I have a strong Russian accent. So despite the fact that I've been living outside of Russia like now for 28 years, uh, so be bear with me. <laughs> If you can understand what I'm saying from Russia. Um, I moved to study in Brussels at the age of 19. And then ended up living in three different countries, as you already mentioned. So I lived in Belgium, the Netherlands, and then the United Kingdom. Uh, I have a PhD uh, from England. And I currently work as a lecturer in the Netherlands. Uh, so yes, I have an official diagnosis of bipolar disorder, which makes my life a bit uh, difficult. Uh, but otherwise, from exterior... Uh, you wouldn't guess how difficult it can be. I raise my son, I work, we have a cat, and they all need my undivided attention. Uh, well, I like a very nice strong coffee in the morning, good food, nice cafes, unusual people, and yes, cats. <laughs> I love that. I, I definitely share your sentiment about cats. Uh, I'm indeed a label of a crazy cat lady, and I very proudly take it on board. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yes, our cat, uh, it's, uh, he came as a kitten. He was lost in the bushes, like uh, in the forest. And a colleague mm. found him. And yeah, when I saw the picture, because my son uh, has been begging me for a while to get a kitten. And there was a kitten. So it was like fame, uh, fate, sorry, like fame. fate. And we took it. And uh, uh, his name is Looney. He's now more than a year old. And uh, he brings us so much joy. That is so lovely. And you mentioned that your current diagnosis is bipolar disorder. And have you ever been diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia or with psychosis as well? Oh, yes, all of them. It's, <laughs> I, mean, I have a, like, a rotation in diagnosis. It depends on the psychiatrist who treats you. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, it's, 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 it's quite serious. I'm joking about it. Uh, but uh, laughing about it is actually one thing that helped me to uh, get through it. Uh, so when I ended up with my first psychosis, 
I did not get initial diagnosis, but almost at once, like the doctor told me, well, I think you have schizophrenia. Mm. Uh, and I, I remember I ran to the library. Uh, it was attached to the hospital because the hospital was at the university building. So I ran to the library and I started to read like schizophrenia. So I started to read about all these different diagnoses. And I was thinking, all right, okay, this diagnosis I don't want to have um, because it's so much stigmatized in our society. Uh, so somehow yeah. I progressed to bipolar disorder. Uh, when uh, another doctor told me I have schizoaffective disorder, by myself, subconsciously, I was thinking, well, if you do give me a diagnosis, probably it is actually schizophrenia, uh, but I'm keeping quiet about it. Uh, so if official bipolar disorder, yes. And it's it's not nice uh, label to have, but uh, here I am. <laughs> and um, when did you first, or when did your first experience with psychosis happen? Did you, do you remember it? Um, and if so, how old were you? And what kind of led up to that event? Yes, I remember it very, very well. So I was 27 years years old when it happened. At the time, I lived in Amsterdam and worked as a financial analyst of banks and portfolio manager. And my life from exterior looked perfect. I had a cool job, a nice apartment in the center, friends and a membership in the local gym where I actually also went on a daily basis. Um, however, uh, that image of success I had created was a bit fake. Uh, I was suffering mm. from adolescent trauma and uh, psychologically um, I wasn't doing that well. Uh, I had constant uh, tummy ache uh, because of, I think, uh, unprocessed psychological uh, distress that I experienced when I was a teenager in Russia. And to treat it, one day I went to uh, the Chinese medical center in Amsterdam and asked them to help. I don't know even till now why I did not go just to a uh, doctor, Western doctor, mm. and went to the Chinese center. But for some reason, I trusted them more uh, because it was like more kind of more interesting. And I did not trust that uh, mainstream uh, mm. doctor would help me. And so in at the center, in the Chinese center, they uh, gave me a prescription for some strong tea to drink. And instead of following the recommended uh, dose, I drank it all it all almost in one go. It was quite a strong thing. And, in, and, and when I stopped sleeping, uh, because I was so desperate to let my pain go away, because at the time I was in love with a very nice uh, French guy, and um, oh. he was away, and yes, and I was thinking, well, uh, I can't really form relationships if I'm in constant pain. I have to do something about it. And it's what I did. I went and asked uh, doctors at the Chinese Medical Center, which, of course, is good medicine is just that I didn't follow what they told me to do and I stopped sleeping and when I didn't sleep for 11 days mm. and I started and when I experienced what is referred to as uh, psychosis uh, but psychosis of course is a different thing for everyone else um, and it's something I would like actually people to know that uh, it's not the same uh, kind of experience because we have all these terms uh, schizophrenia, yeah. bipolar, psychosis. But what is behind it, it's an absolutely individual, totally unique experience for every individual. Yeah. And do you think that the tea was what had that initial trigger? Do you, do you remember what kind of a tea it even was? No, I don't. And yeah, I can't say with 100% certainty that it yeah. was just the tea. I think it was lots of things at the same time. And it was just something that probably kind of uh, pushed it pushed it to happen, something yeah. that would happen in any case because uh, I had very, very difficult years uh, in Russia. Uh, when moving from one country to another is a difficult thing. And I had a very stressful, yeah, it was cool, but extremely stressful job when you are a portfolio manager of uh, an equity portfolio, uh, which is run by one of the biggest pension funds. And mm -hmm. I, I was, I didn't even have any diploma in finances. So the boss where I worked, uh, he thought I could do anything. And probably at that time I felt the same, but reality showed that um, I had to take life in a more balanced way. Not, uh, I started to work every day. I remember at seven o'clock in the morning and before that I could go for a run after my work and I would be the last to leave the office. I would go to the gym. Uh, I was always performing, always yeah. uh, studying. And I was actually very good at my job. My portfolio was soaring, but I should have slowed down. And uh, psychosis, I think, apart from uh, spiritual things, I experienced it in it. Uh, psychosis also showed me that I have to slow down and I have to take life a bit easier. Um, yeah. So, yes, That's not only Chinese tea. I think it was all, uh, all different things together. Stress, uh, unprocessed trauma, being in love, having a stressful job. And trying to stop smoking, yes. That was another thing that I was doing at that time. Yeah, it seems that you were putting a lot on your own shoulders as well. You were saying that it seems like every minute of your day was 
productive almost, like you didn't give yourself any downtime and eventually your body is like crashing. I'm curious to know if um, you mentioned that you weren't able to sleep for 11 days. So I'm curious to know if any of the doctors correlated that with your experience, because we all know that if we do not sleep for a very long time, there is a high probability that we might hear or see things. Um, was that any speculation? I do understand right now that you said it was very multifactorial, but I'm just curious if that was something that was considered when when it happened first. Yeah, that's a thing. Huh? I had no idea at the time. I was mm. uh, well, 27 years old, so still young, young, quite naive. And, and because of uh, uh, how I was brought up in Russia, I was I started to live on my own from the age of 17. Um, I did not have this kind of um, thing in me where you go and ask people for help. Uh, for some reason, because of yeah, what I had to uh, endure in Russia is like when you're responsible for your own life from the age of 17 and also in regards to money and how you finance, finance yourself. And um, it's kind of, I thought it was denied from me the thing that actually, yeah, one day I can just sit down and say, well, I'm not doing anything today. Or you're going to say, well, I'm going to see a doctor and ask him to help. Well, now I do all that. I had to yeah. learn it with experience and wisdom because now I'm older. And um, so what you do and you go and ask for help because of course, uh, 11, no, no sleeping for 11 days. Yeah everyone will become psychotic it's a known fact now at the time medicine wasn't uh, as progressive mm-hmm. as it is today i didn't have like family around me to be concerned so i just had my job and my colleagues uh, who were also mm-hmm. my friends uh, but we didn't really know what i was uh, going, going. we didn't we had no idea that i wasn't sleeping because i was still showing up at my work i was performing and i alarm bell was ringing uh, that something is wrong but when I, I think I was already kind of entering this stage of psychosis and uh, thinking that oh maybe I don't need as much sleep as other people uh, maybe just because I would fall asleep like for an hour or two until it, I could I could not do it anymore either uh, so it's basically it's, it's my own fault but um, non-sleeping is uh, the main trigger I think for any mental health problem it's, sleep is essential it's like the most important thing yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear about um, your first psychiatric hospital experience. If you're, you know, if it, if you're open to speak about it, was this the first time your experience happened? So was this right after you had your first experience after the tea, or was that a different time? No, yes, it was because of it. So I ended up in the psychosis. Um, yeah. And my uh, uh, boss and my colleague, um, they brought me to the hospital because, yeah, they found me uh, very distressed. And uh, I was distressed. I wasn't even sure in which reality I was at the time. Uh, even though I felt quite happy, um, but I was really confused. So they brought me to the hospital. And uh, like I slept there for three days nonstop. They injected wow. something in me. And then, uh, so I woke up in a psychiatric uh, hospital in the town called uh, Purmerend. It's not far from Amsterdam. Uh, with a camera staring at me from the corner of the room. Uh, it was surreal. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, nurses would um, sit in a big, large room full of screens, uh, supervising patients in their room. When I woke up, where I felt like really happy, amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was, I felt I was Buddha. Uh, well, mm-hmm. until the first nurse came into my room to check on me, and then a doctor uh, telling me that I was mad and psychotic. And it was absolutely weird as experience because never in my life had I felt happier than at the time when I woke up in a psychiatric hospital for the first time. So after drinking the Chinese tea. So that's when my first psychosis happened. Wow. And you mentioned that you felt you were Buddha or you felt like the Buddha or you were euphoric? Uh, yeah, euphoric. Yeah, it's a good word. And I, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Huh? When you're in psychosis, uh, you kind of start believing that you are this, this thing. So I was, um, my first psychosis, yeah, I felt I was Buddha. And, and I thought, okay, maybe I was Buddha in my past life. And it's a thing you can't prove really in our society. <laughs> And, and I doubt I was Buddha, but uh, still I felt like Buddha. I felt so happy and liberated and all my uh, tummy ache was totally gone. Um, oh. So it, it worked in this respect. Uh, but later on, uh, in, when uh, because it wasn't my first and only psychosis, unfortunately, they would come back. I have to be very careful about it. And that's why I have a psychiatric diagnosis because I'm very vulnerable to psychosis. And we are very, in my case, extremely beautiful experiences. It's just that 
you can't you can't function with society with it. You really need a safe place to process it. Process it. Mm. Uh, so in my other psychosis, I felt I was Jesus. So it's it's always some kind of has some kind of religious, religious connotation yeah. for me. Uh, maybe because I'm a, a well deeply spiritual religious person. I do have faith. I believe in God. I'm Christian. Uh, even if it has been a struggle for me to really accept who I am, uh, but no, of course I wasn't real Buddha, but the feeling was that I was the Buddha. That's so fascinating. And you you mentioned all of your experiences are positive almost, right? Um, during your experience, do you feel any anxiety or do you feel disconnected completely? It's like I have, it's like I uh, go into par- parallel realities. One exactly. reality where I am, uh, Ekaterina, like with job, uh, with family responsibilities and when there is a parallel reality where I start uh, communicating with angels, I see manifestations of God, I, I see the devil, devil. so uh, it's uh, extremely powerful and uh, um, I wouldn't say beautiful but in my case like alluring experience, like you want to stay there because it's just like, wow, when you see all this magic around you and you're thinking well, actually it's all re- real and God is real and uh, devil is real as well and it gives you like this sense of uh, uh, superpower and uh, amazing strength uh, but unfortunately if you stay in that state without supervising, without mm. like, medical supervision, you uh, also develop uh, some kind of paranoia and uh, that's what was been uh, has been happening with me if I'm in a psychosis uh, so what I did if I felt it was coming and usually people don't react to me until it's too late because we just don't believe that I can be psychotic because I do remain in my reality as well. So I have yeah. to organize everything myself. So I call the doctors, I call friends, uh, I organize, well, I have a son. So when it uh, did happen that I was in a psychosis uh, with my son, so I first organized my son so that he has a safe place where he can go and stay for a week. Mm. And at the same time, organize help for myself to go to the hospital. That is because it's where I think you should be if you have a psychosis, not treated yeah. or hope that it will go away. Yeah. Uh, so yes, to answer your question, it's like being in two parallel realities. That's very interesting. How do you know that it's coming? Like It's like almost like you're prepping for it. Is there some sort of sign or signal that indicates that you might be experiencing a psychosis? Uh, well, I, I usually if I, I don't sleep very well, I, I'm very careful about that because uh, I can't uh, allow myself to have any psychosis uh, at this moment because it, it's just too damaging, and uh, especially for my family. They're all concerned, and I have uh, also a good job that I want to do well, so I don't want to be in a psychosis also for that. Um, but yes, I feel when it's coming, it's uh, and I know it can come if I like experience stress in my life. Uh, but now I learned with experience how to manage it. So I'm on very good medication. I have a brilliant psychiatrist and uh, I hope it works. Well, it does work, uh, even if yes. there is always risk of having psychosis. But uh, this thing, as beautiful and amazing as it can be, it's really not uh, sustainable if you want to be part of a society and work and look after your son and uh, care after your cat. And it's all things I love and uh, I have in my life uh, so I'm yeah I'm careful and yeah the main trigger is lack of sleep and when mm. all these beautiful things start to appear I see white doves flying around me uh, mm. it's yeah it's hard to really say what is happening but you kind of start feeling like enlightened it's what is the term that is usually used because it's uh, amazing feeling like connection total connection to the universe and total connection to god yeah. and you want to stay and uh, if uh, not uh, for the fact that i have a child and i have to raise him i, I would probably try to go to monastery because probably the closest experience to what i experienced in my psychosis yeah. when you like really feel god and you want to have this feeling uh, all the yeah. time Wow. I don't know. Um, I've been recently reading a lot of Carl Gustav Jung's work. Have you heard of him, Carl Jung? Yes. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. And I really love his work because Jung saw psychosis or schizophrenia, as they call it today, like as a normal process of the psyche and that a hallucination can actually be understood if we understand a person's history. Um, but another interesting thing is that he spent a lot of his early years working in a you know psychiatric hospital. And he said that from a lot of his observations that so many patients had a similar kind of experience. So one which is a either 
mythological really and be religious as well. So it's very interesting that you said your experiences were very religious because many people who experience psychosis seem to have that kind of symbolic um, meaning, I would almost say. So sometimes it, it does make you wonder that we might be missing, you know, something there. Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, from like other people who had uh, similar experience to mine, uh, they all say, yes, the same thing, but it's like this deep connection to universe. Uh, and it's like mm. a really beautiful feeling. And probably it is uh, actually normal reaction of people to stress or to trauma. So it's like psychosis can be, I think, be a healing process. Um, we don't understand it well. We don't understand this phenomenon. So like when someone presents uh, to you and says, well, I'm Jesus, people start panicking and doctors right. start immediately uh, prescribing new medication to stop this feeling. Well, actually what we should be doing, we should be like asking, oh, why do you think you are? And uh, maybe ask yeah. a priest to come and talk to you uh, instead of immediately diagnosing you with schizophrenia because in my case, faith helped me more uh, than anything. While at the same time, yes, I, I think someone has like vulnerability to psychosis probably they should be on medication mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it can be combined uh, like both the spiritual aspect and a scientific medical aspect they could be combined together uh, to help like the patient recover unfortunately at this moment we don't have it we have only biomedical model uh, that yes. is presented to us as the solution uh, while I believe we should uh, have a more um, holistic view of like what is psychosis, even if I'm really for the fact that it should be treated, of course. Yeah. Um, but someone should talk to the patient and ask him, like, what is it that you see? And uh, try to maybe, yes, not analyze it, but understand it and give it meaning. Uh, because if you deny this, the patient and you just tell him, well, you are sick, uh, you um, stigmatize this person. And when this person starts believing, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm yeah. sick. And um, when we lose desire like to work or go back to the society, we lose desire to uh, live a normal life. And I think it's, it's, this is da very damaging. And unfortunately, this happens in the majority of cases as well. Uh, so yes, I like when it happened to me and after I've been reading everything about this subject and I was analyzing my own experience and it probably helped me to process it in a way that I would uh, like treat patients myself if I were a medical doctor. Mm. Uh, so I'm, but I'm still here. I work and uh, I look after my son and uh, I do every like everything that other normal people do. But that's only thanks to the fact that I kind of processed it beyond the diagnosis. I didn't yeah. accept to look at it as a sickness. Yeah, and I think that definitely was your power. And I think a very strong indication of where you are today, like living your everyday life. Because as you said, the minute you tell someone that you are sick or that, you know, something's not right with you, it can impact your psyche. The fact that you were able to yourself find meaning in your experience is very powerful. It's also a bit sad because essentially psychiatry is the field where you want to turn there as a safe space. And, and, and I know there are great psychiatrists out there for sure, uh, but generally as a discipline, as you said, the medical model that is currently dominating the field says that these symptoms, you know, this experiences are symptoms that make you sick. But if we could maybe apply a bit more compassion, understanding, and broaden our way of the meaning behind it, I think it could be much more helpful and healing for the person that is experiencing it. I don't know, is, is that kind of what you're saying as well? Yes, uh, definitely, because, um, well, yeah, we have psychiatry, and the thing is, we do need psychiatry. Sure, uh, sure. Because, yeah, I mean, I do need medication. I'm not uh, uh, lying about the fact that I do need, I am on medication, and I do need it, and it took me sure. years to accept it, uh, this fact. I was, like, really denying, and I, I, I still deny, like, this diagnosing kind of thing, um, but I can't deny anymore that, yes, there is medication available that actually can help, and as I already mentioned, I do have a brilliant psychiatrist, uh, but he is, like, more than expert because he doesn't pay attention which diagnosis to give me it's like really mm. not his major concern he doesn't care he just cares that I that I flourish that I can return to my job and do it well and look after my son and look after my mom and my cat uh, socialize be happy and you can really see it in him he's uh, he was 
searching with together we had to search for medication that would work and not give me side effects because most of these psychiatric meds um, they have tremendous side effects it's unbelievable because most doctors also prescribe them at very high doses right. and this disable disables uh, the person and uh, the saddest part of it because some medication makes you feel sedated tired and out of uh, uh, out of this uh, world uh, but these people then start believing well i am sick uh, I am. I'm not. I'm not going to recover. Uh, there is no way for me to work, and it's true. In, on, on the dosage of like some meds they prescribe, you can't work. I had it as well. I mean, for a year mm. uh, when we were looking for medication with my psychiatrist, I was on a very high dose of something, and I thought, oh, that's it for me. I can't work like that. It's just impossible. Well, I do love working. I do love being part of this society, and it, this is what happens to. Probably majority of patients, it's um, I'm rather an exception, and it's very sad that uh, it's not uh, uh, more common that you fight for your rights, that you do talk with your psychiatrist on equal terms, you do research your medication. Yeah. Uh, it's my psychiatrist who found the medication that works for me, but I was bombarding him before, like. Uh, <laughs> writing to him like every two days i'm sorry it doesn't work i have too many side effects i want to work i'm not i can't function like that and when he would look for something else and when we would try to diminish this medication uh, maybe add another medication at the end cocktail as i call it cocktail <laughs> meds that uh, he presented to me works uh, on already like for more than a year so it uh yeah psychiatry can help uh, but the majority of doctors don't uh, it's not like we don't care we don't have enough of insight into the phenomenon of psychosis and they rely mm. too much on this kind of mass studies of people treating like this thing as if it's the same thing for everyone which is not yeah I'm so glad that you found your psychiatrist, like so, so glad. That's so important. Your persistence also helped, I'm sure, you know, so I'm so glad you persisted for your human rights, which is every single person's right. And you're right, I guess, A, there's certain guidelines that doctors have to follow, you know, but we we all know there's no one size fits all. I think this is becoming more of the narrative that every single person's body, every single person's experience is so different. So even the medication has to be customized to them. So yeah, I'm very, very happy that you found a psychiatrist and your uh, treatment plan that works for you. Yekaterina, I'd love to know, um, going back to your original experience, how long were you there for? Um, and maybe a bit of what everyday life in there was like again i'm not sure for how many days you were there for but how are the other patients you know in the psychiatric ward award how was it like communicating with them just that whole experience from what you remember yeah well it's um uh, yeah as i already mentioned this so it was in a small town next to amsterdam and when i woke up i woke up with a camera facing like <laughs> on top of my head. Um, apart from that, and apart from my doctor, uh, it was quite a, a good experience at first because uh, we had nice food. Uh, it was <laughs> quite quiet. Uh, we had like art therapy, a lovely mm. garden, and a swimming pool. Uh, so we, you could go and swim there, well, supervised, but still, there was it was like I was thinking, wow, it's like five star hotel. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but um, yeah, but they insisted on this medication that uh, uh, unfortunately killed in me all this feeling of being Buddha and being happy. Uh, and um, I escaped from that hospital, so I stayed in that in that hospital like for maybe more than a week. And when I escaped to go back to Amsterdam, because uh, I couldn't believe that I was in a psychiatric hospital and I was kind of thinking like, but what am I treated for if I feel so mm. well and my tummy ache is gone? Actually, I'm recovering. I'm, I'm in recovery. Yeah. But no, because I was like saying I was good. Uh, the doctor said, no, you're ill, you're sick. And uh, yeah, so I escaped the hospital. And when uh, I went to Amsterdam and when in Amsterdam I went to the bar, so I had a few drinks when I had a nice dinner. When I went to grocery shop and I was thinking like my subconscious, okay, if I end up again in that hospital, it's fine, etc. But we don't serve wine. Uh, so I bought a bottle of wine, I put it in the bag <laughs> and yeah, and when I was like when I was uh, exiting the shop, I see police car, and then they ask me, "Oh, Katrina Nechtelova?" And I'm yes, yes, yes. Um, and uh, yeah, and I was thinking, "Oh, maybe uh, actually, my I will go somewhere nice." Uh, but they brought me to this horrible, horrible place in Amsterdam um, because we, uh, officially we said we have to bring you where you officially live because. 
apparently permanent. My first hospital was kind of an exception and mistake. I had to be in Amsterdam. And in Amsterdam, we didn't have any places. So I was brought first to the hospital attached to prison. Oh, my God. Uh, where, yeah, I stayed something like three days. And it was very strict. Uh, it's like you could leave your room only when they would fetch you for a bit to go to sit in the lobby. Uh, yeah, the food was uh, horrible. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, it was so bizarre. Um but the good thing, we did not inspect my bag, so I had a bottle of wine with me. <laughs> uh, so that kept me going for three days, like some small luxuries in life. And then they brought me to, like, well, still psychotic, but like more mainstream psychiatric hospital attached to university in Amsterdam. And where I stayed maybe like three weeks, and it's where okay. the doctor told me, I think it's schizophrenia. So, yeah, and um, put me on a drug, which... Um, was horrible because yeah, when I emerged from the hospital I was totally broken uh, I thought that it was for me and um, uh, yeah, I felt awful on that drug and um, we only, uh, it took me two years to recover from it only when I stopped the medication that they gave me then uh, brought me back to normality and feeling again some joy in life and uh, wanting to be part of a society even if I still continued to work uh, I returned mm-hmm. to my work like a week after I was uh, back from the hospital really? uh, but it was like a torture it was torture to go to work I didn't enjoy anything anymore like socializing with friends or uh, deriving joy from nice food uh, and was... that was because of the medication yeah well that's the thing I always say well first you have like money state and then you go like depression and it's like bipolar one disorder type uh, but I know I didn't have depression because it's every time it's linked to medication because yeah. On other occasions, when I would be out of the hospital, I would just decrease the medication immediately, knowing already from my history that on a high dose, I just can't function. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I would have another psychosis and another medication, uh, I would just cut it myself. Uh, and when I, I and when I had no depression, just like immediately going back into society and resuming my life uh, with the only problem that if you are unprotected in terms of medication, if you don't have this kind of veil around you, mm. um, the risk is high for psychosis to return. Wow. I can't believe once you went back to Amsterdam, the authorities stopped you? Oh, yeah, they do. Huh? Uh, they, that's they that's insane. You. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah, were released not... from the other hospital. Yeah, no, well, I escaped from it. So, yeah. They, <laughs> they, yeah <laughs> And I feel embarrassed about it because if I knew Not I wouldn't all. do it, I mean, it's lots of public money involved to search for it. Like, yeah, it's like you become a missing person. I had no idea about it. I, and I'm not the only one who tries to do it. Even like, well, for instance, in Permanent, I already said we have a sw- we had a swimming pool, we had uh, nice food. Uh, but because of medication, because of how doctors look at you, uh, you feel kind of uh, down. You feel like mm. no one. Uh, and especially if someone tells you, well, you are sick and you're thinking, like, I'm not sick. I, I don't no. feel sick. I'm not. And they insist, no, you are sick. Um, and it's it's quite damaging. So you don't want to be in that place. Um, but, but that was uh, 20 years ago. Uh, things changed. Mm. So it's okay. Um, at that time, they had also isolation rooms. So you could end up being there like for a day uh, and uh, was quite strict and uh, dehumanizing degrading is experience and it's uh, not the case anymore well at least in the netherlands and uk really? it's a different story yeah but uh, yeah it's 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 not nice to be in a psychiatric hospital but unfortunately when person experiences psychosis uh, this person does need a safe place to process it yeah honestly it, it does make me angry because like you said it's it's so violating of a person's like self-autonomy it's violating of a person's personal space like having that much power and authority over someone i think it's very incorrect i think especially if you're saying that people are i mean you are in a vulnerable state so if anything you need extra care like we're doing the actual opposite of care we're making a person feel much much worse you know so it's no wonder i mean i would run away on the first day you know like it's it's not somewhere that you would want to consciously be but you mentioned that you think it's changed now um do you think it actually has changed from like 20 years ago and I would be curious to know, what are your thoughts on, sorry, I just have to get the name of it, when someone is sectioned, 
what the the mental health act yeah what are your thoughts on the i think that's in the uk the mental yeah. health act where you can be detained against your will um just as someone who's experienced psychosis i'd be curious to know your thoughts on it oh yeah i have lots of thoughts on that um because i was sectioned oh. <laughs> several times uh it's 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 uh it's ridiculous because uh, I, I lived in the uk for 11 years huh? i love yes. england uh, like really, really feel so close to English culture, but mental health services where it's something really very bizarre. Because mm. when I already said when I feel psychosis coming, I seek my help myself. So every time I would end up in the hospital in the UK on my own accord, on my own will, because I know okay, I'm in the psychosis, I need a safe place, and unfortunately there is nothing else but a psychiatric hospital uh, and surrounded by doctors. So I would go there, and the first thing we do, oh psychosis section uh, and yeah they just section you and we are like uh, for me it was like two sections so one is like when you're detained for a month and another section is when you're detained for f- six months oh my god uh, and when you are left to the word of a doctor if a consultant psychiatrist says okay you can go then you can go but otherwise there is a document that says okay you're detained here for six months can you imagine what the gives as a feeling to the person who is detained, especially that I was detained on the second thing, like six months of uh, imprisonment, uh, knowing and we knew I have a job outside and I have a son to raise. Put its section when I came myself and said, well, hello, I was the one asking for help. And it, not only that, what we do is well, <laughs> because of this mental health act, because now we know the patient should have rights. So the, the patient should be able to defend him or herself. So, so you end up in a hospital, you're being sectioned. The next day, someone comes and asks you, okay, would you like to contest your section? And of course, mm-hmm. the patient says, yes, obviously. So yeah. when someone else comes, okay, we have men to write and to uh, call a tribunal. Uh, during tribunal, you can then express your wish to be released. And so basically, you are in a psychosis, you're being sectioned, and you're dealing with all this legal nightmare. Well, the only thing you should be doing is having rest, Yes. Uh, nice walks, good food, lots of sleep, and recovering. And it's just the opposite because when we section you, we should at least stop with this tribunal thing because it does not work. Uh, it damages the patient because everyone is tired. It's so stressful. Do. Yeah, it's extremely stressful. Uh, yeah, this this is the case in the United Kingdom, which is like very very uh, unfortunate development uh, because our our wise uh, where hospitals are great, it's always funny mm-hmm. because well English people they are funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. The food is very fantastic. At least it used to be. And they would feed you like with warm meals at least twice a day. I mean, you have a roast in the middle of a day, a day or fish and chips on a Friday and. Uh, uh, chili con carne on Tuesday. Yes, and like the nurses are very nice. We don't have any time where to walk you out because they are understaffed and the yeah. whole medical system in the UK is in, in crisis. It is, uh, yeah. So what we do now, we in, uh, invite someone from agencies and uh, people who come from agencies, they often don't understand the mental health thing. So we can just sit outside your room at night and, and talk loudly to each other. Uh, well, of course, we don't understand that sleep is actually the most important thing for the recovery. Uh, so we, we are always thinking in the United Kingdom that happened now. So with all these like, uh, tribunals and being sectioned mm-hmm. and then lack of uh, staff and the nurses who are overworked, stressed and have to deal with lots of administration. Uh, so I would not recommend anyone to deal with it because if you can avoid it. Avoid it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's the only system left uh, at this moment. I mean, there is nothing else. We don't have solitary yeah. houses um, where you can just go and uh, uh, just spend, uh, like, I don't know, a month where recovering on medication, or maybe you don't need medication. I don't know. I was never given this choice uh, whether mm-hmm. you had to take medication or not. Um, but it's there should be an alternative to what is like presented to us as a psychiatric hospital. There should be an alternative to it. Or what should be happening is that psychiatry reforms itself and understands, okay, maybe we should treat people with more compassion. A hundred percent. You mentioned that when you felt that when you were experiencing psychosis, you voluntarily went and you were, you said the word safe space, which really touched my heart. You were looking for a safe space, but there was none. The only place you could go was a psychiatric hospital, which was filled with doctors that are happily ready to section you. The minute you just say the word psychosis, they're like, oh, let's, let's take her in, you know? So that to me is very troubling. And you mentioned reform in psychiatry and alternatives. Since you've had the experience, 
do you have, do you think, or do you have a better idea of what would be a better alternative? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, I'm thinking about it every day. I mean, what would work better? Because, uh, well, I, as I said, I, I did meet a very nice psychiatrist who is yes. my treating psychiatrist. And um, um, he is just like a very kind uh, person and he's very, very knowledgeable. So he understands medication. So he understands uh, that people have different body and that for me, maybe one medication that works for someone doesn't work necessarily for another person. And as I already said, he doesn't tell me that I'm sick. Well, of course, he considers it as an illness, but he doesn't tell me, all right, okay, you're sick and you should be having taking this medication. He just tells me, well, you know, you're vulnerable to stress and you have mm. a vulnerability to psychosis. I think that you should stay on this medication for at least years before you start thinking about changing something. And... I mentioned Soteria House. So I would reform like psychiatry from within. Uh, and I think at this moment in some places it is happening that people who now go and study psychiatry, they have like more kind of compassionate mind. Uh, and it is, it, science evolves. Um, mm-hmm. Like if 20 years ago, there was basically absolutely no choice in medication what they would give you. And all of that medication was extremely sedating, extremely damaging. There's so many patients or ex-patients who uh, express their frustration on online social media because uh, yes. they say, well, they ruined their lives. And I tried this medication and I, I totally agree. If you take it as prescribed, you can't live a normal life. You are being damaged. But science evolved. There is no medication available that actually right dose can uh, keep you stable, can help you. And we are doctors who don't tell you that you are sick and instead like uh, yes. try to find a solution and uh, actively uh, encourage you to continue life as it is. Like, no big deal. Okay, you had a psychosis. It can happen. But before, like, especially like my first hospitalization uh, and like at some point in the UK, it's like everyone is like, wow, psychosis. And it's yeah. like, wow, yes, psychosis. Okay. But it's, yeah, it wasn't major thing. I mean, I didn't right. want to go and uh, um, create any violence or whatever. I just sit very quietly in my corner and thinking I'm Buddha. And that's it. And uh, yeah, having these spiritual things going on. Um, but I'm, 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 I also kind of remain a bit lucid. So I know who I am. I know what I have, that I have a job. I know what I have a son. Mm. Uh, it doesn't totally take away my sanity. So there is something else happening in parallel. Uh, but it is more like people around that are just scared of a psychosis because of stigma around in the society, because of what movies tell us and books yes. uh, also tell us. So we think it's like the end of the world. Well, actually, it's not. It's not at all. The power of language is so important, huh? Like you mentioned your psychiatrist who doesn't tell you you're sick instead of sa- instead he says you may be vulnerable in stressful situations just that little tweak for me i think is such a big difference because if you're a healthcare professional or providing support to someone especially someone who's as he said vulnerable or may might have experienced psychosis once or twice it is crucial to have that empathy and non non-judgmental attitude because if you don't then as a patient i will not want to approach you and i would not respect the field you know so i think this is a big place where that needs to be changed. And you're right, there's so much stigma thanks to movies, but I guess also to the history of psychiatry or the history of ours, of the history of madness, I would even say, right? Um, if we look at the way madness has been treated, there's always been this negative connotation to it, you know? But I'm very hopeful that we're moving kind of past that. I think for me personally, like even reading a lot of like Jung's work, he ac- he used a method called active imagination a lot where he would just talk to his, um, talk- he would go inward, he would hallucinate, he would come out of it again. So um, I don't know if that would be exactly the same as saying schizophrenia or not, but he was delusional at certain moments of his time and then he would come out of it again. And, and so I find it to be very normal. You know, we talk to ourselves all the time. We imagine things all the time. You know, sometimes there can be times of stress where it may just cross that certain like threshold for some, maybe more than others. But yeah, I, I think it's about time we should, we, we normalize it um, in a sense that we under, we attribute meaning to it and not see it as something radical, but just as something that's also a part of human process, which some religions and shamanic cultures uh, do attribute that right that yeah yes so yeah but it's like 
Um, yeah, of course, history is um, uh, like in the past, this, yeah, mad people would just be put on the ship and being sent like in the middle of nowhere in the Middle Ages. Uh, and then uh, it started to be like uh, as asylum, like hospital uh, from the Age of Enlightenment and um, like in, mm. in the old uh, asylums. Asylums, uh, asylums yeah. yes. Asylums, yes. So they would just put uh, like all these mad people there and uh, uh, passers-by uh, could just stroll and look at mad people out of curiosity. Uh, this is what, yeah, so in comparison to that, I think we're in a much better uh, situation. And hopefully it will get even better because, um, yeah, society, I think, is changing a bit in a sh- shifting kind of uh, opinion about uh, what is madness. Sure. Uh, in our cultures, as you mentioned already, like it is considered to be shamanic experience. It's, like, psychosis is considered to be as a gift uh, on yes. which you have to work. And then you can become a shaman. You can train to become a shaman. Uh, in Russian culture, we had like what is called the uh, holy fool. Uh, so it's a person who would like lose mind because of deep uh, belief in in, in uh, Jesus Christ. Like so very, very religious people. Like divine and, madness? Yes, it is. I mean, like lots of uh, here in the Western world, lots of saints actually did experience psychosis. And from what I think... It's almost impossible, actually, to claim that you've been ever enlightened uh, if you didn't experience the psychosis. And it's because it's in that state, actually, that you reach for God, and it's in that state that you can hear God. And it's uh, uh, not accepted nowadays as religious experience. It's kind of put uh, on into the field of pure madness and uh, schizophrenia or psychosis. Um, while, no, it can be something else, but maybe it is changing. Maybe at some point we will accept that yes, it is, and we should treat every uh, person individually, uh, like really, uh, should be individual approach. But to have this individual approach, you need to have enough of doctors and nurses yeah. to help in this process. And like you asked about United Kingdom, I mean, United Kingdom, we all know, is in big crisis, uh, in medical crisis. Yeah, well, here where I am now in the Netherlands, in Friesland, uh, we don't have this problem. And it's uh, it's a, such a change, like in terms of how I'm treated here mm-hmm. and how my psychiatrist talks to me and what he did for me and how also I'm treated at my work. Uh, it's stigma. It's not as stigmatized. Uh, mm-hmm. It's but maybe it's because of the Dutch society. We accept difference and uh, they're very open minded. Uh, they don't uh, look at you like gentlemanly if we know this thing about. You. Well, at least that's my experience. I don't. I can't talk on behalf of everyone else. Sure. But I can, if I compare it to my experience in the United Kingdom, here I kind of started to be open about it and I started to write about my experience. While in VK, I would publish something. You mentioned my article on Med in America, but you can't imagine how many times I asked them to delete my articles so they would put it like on uh, under pseudonym. Uh, oh. And when I when I was thinking, okay, maybe I should republish it. And then I would approach them again and they would republish it under my real name. Uh, but really keeping it and not asking them to remove my articles has been happening only since I moved here and met my current psychiatrist and uh, got my current treatment. That I'm kind of, I don't yeah. feel shame anymore. I don't feel yeah. uh, this um, fear. Okay, if people know, I will never find a job. I will never have friends. Yeah. Everyone will look down at me. But it hasn't really happened, so it's I keep on like being open about it. But let's let's see what the future will bring. I'm so glad you are open about it. First of all, this has been so so eye opening for me in so many ways. You're so brave, like, and I'm generally not just saying this. I can imagine how strong the stigma is. Like, unfortunately, it's still that one disorder that has so much negative connotation to it. So I think the fact that you're finally able to put your name, to speak about it, it's so liberating. It's 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 so brave because every time I see anything that you post, like I always have a big smile on my face because even one person who might hear this or even someone who doesn't have it, but knows someone who has it, you know, it can make such a big difference, even though we might not know it, but it, it really does. It does, yes, of course, uh, because our our rights. I mean, you know, if you like end up as uh, like in the hospital when overmedicated with a diagnosis, you mention the society, and no one wants to talk about it. I yes. mean, it's hard when to integrate back into society, and it's very uh, damaging if like people 
tell you, well, you are sick and uh, just keep quiet about it. Don't say anything to anyone because uh, everyone will think that something is wrong with you. Uh, it, I mean, and how are you supposed when to live a normal life? Well, you can't. So you have really to kind of step over it um, and go beyond your diagnosis. Uh, and I was fortunate because I really have very good friends wherever I lived, in the UK, Belgium, or the Netherlands. Friends who always accepted me in how I am. Uh, so for them, well, we know now that I, can, I have this vulnerability to psychosis. So when I, when we know that I am in a psychosis and I tell them I am Jesus, well, nowadays we just say, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, that's, um, well, it was last time was two years ago. So now I'm determined not to repeat it uh, anytime in the future. Because, yeah, I, I have respons- life responsibilities. But I've been lucky with my friends. And I mean, because I think of that, I started yeah, I decide, okay, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to write about it. And sometimes I miss things when I write. Sometimes I kind of, oh, angry. So I can post mm. something and I'm like thinking, oh, I sound a bit arrogant. Yeah? Um, but what I do want to do is like really tell people, well, actually, no, it's not the end of the world if you have psychosis. Yes, you can recover. Uh, yes, you can even find medication that doesn't give you side effects and you can work if you want to and you can uh, socialize and uh, feel happy. That's a powerful message. That really is. Yekaterina, as a final question, what message would you like to give to people, given that everything you have been through, um, is there anything you'd like to convey from the lessons that you may have learned? Definitely. Uh, So my main message would be that you can have a great life, even with severe mental health diagnosis. It isn't easy, but it is possible. Often it's with medication, which is the problem, because unfortunately, most psychiatrists prescribe too high doses of psychiatric meds, making it very hard for patients to feel great. However, there is also medication that can have no side effects and still work, and there are doctors, well, psychiatrists, who genuinely care and can help. And uh, another message is that everything is possible in this life, even with severe mental health diagnosis. Uh, look at me. Uh, despite the fact that I had several psychoses, I kind of still a full member of the society. I moved countries, I got a PhD, I gave birth to my son, I have friends, I enjoy my job and life in general. And this would be like one thing I would uh, other people who experience psychosis have is well in their lives and not give up uh, and like uh, search for something that will work medication or something else but you definitely can recover from it and have a great life and this probably is my main message to people who listen absolutely amazing have hope and uh find a good psychiatrist (laughs) yes yes yeah true that's yeah (laughs) dr nichitailova thank you so much for sharing your experiences thank you for your courage and openness to speak your truth it's very refreshing as i said and bold um, and I really do appreciate you coming on today. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I, I enjoyed it. And thank you for me, inviting me to be part of it. Uh, so I hope, yeah, well, it will help people. It will. And I, I hope so too. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. If you did like this episode, please do share it with your friends and family and subscribe on your favorite podcast hosting site. If you're on Apple Podcasts and enjoyed listening, please do leave us a review. Your feedback always helps us grow. I'll be linking Dr. Nechitailova's email to this episode description along with her website, book, and Twitter. So be sure to check it out. Thank you so much again, and we'll catch you in the next episode.